To paraphrase Hunter S. Thompson, when you get locked into a serious beer collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. Cheers. Son of a bitch! Give me a drink! Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast. We're happy to have you, and it's been a busy time for the podcast. We just got done with Milwaukee Beer Week. We've got a road trip up to Green Bay for some interviews with some amazing breweries up there. Jim, Andy, Jesus, and I, we're all very happy to bring all of this to you, and we wanted to give you a little heads up. So right now, we're going to be doing Badger State Brewing, which is the next installment of our brewery interview series. After that, next week is going to be a very special bonus episode. We're going to wrap up Milwaukee Beer week you may have seen us out and about all over the place during walkie beer week which unofficially started at stein and dine on the 22nd of april and went all the way till saturday the 29th of april lots of events we here at the tap takeover podcast tipped a few pints that week so we're really excited to bring that episode for you and right after that the very next week we're going to continue with our green bay road trip series we've got still mank brewing and right after that two weeks later it'll be noble roots so really, really excited. More breweries on the way. We've got a lot of breweries reaching out to us. But let's get into the beers, gentlemen. Let's talk about Badger State Brewing. We had a lot of fun. Jim, what was your biggest impression of Badger State Brewing? It was absolutely the variety of beers. They're doing some very exciting things up there. They're not doing just a status quo. They've got some solid core beers, but they're also really expanding, being experimental with some of their barrels. They're doing some barrel aging, which is interesting. Uh, they're doing some really interesting things with coffee. Their Buzzy Badger was fantastic. I'm not a big brown ale fan, but what Sam Yanda is doing up there with his brown ales is really, really tasty. And Sam's a great, great guy. So it was a real hoot. It was one of the best interviews that we've had so far and a great brewery. I think they're really going to start to make a mark coming up soon. Well, speaking of those barrels, let's get into the beer that we're going to be drinking here. One of these we tried with Sam, the other we brought with us so we could try it with uh, with Andy and Jesus. So the first one is going to be the Mega Blonde aged in Chardonnay barrels with peaches added and the second is going to be the belgian golden ale aged in cabernet barrels now you can definitely tell a a distinct difference between these two one has got an actual red hue and that one's got to be the cabernet barrels so what's uh jesus what are what are your first impressions of this one i I gotta confess the mega blonde i'm not really a fan of but i think it has more to do with the temperature we got a little bit warmer than it should be but it's still you still get that sweetness is this the one with peaches yes yeah Mm -hmm. definitely get that it's very i think it's boozy I don't know. Maybe it's maybe we had a couple before this, but uh. <laughs> well, it's it's just over seven percent. So their base ale on this is their Golden Ranger, kind of a Belgian strong, seven two, seven and a half, somewhere in there. So not overly boozy though. The but Chardonnay I like barrels. The sweetness. I do like that sweetness in there. Yeah, the Chardonnay yeah. barrels are much more subtle than, especially when you, when we're going to be tasting the Cabernet, uh, where the barrel really comes through. This is much more subtle, and the peaches I think add a sweet hue to it as well. So not overpowering as a beer so this doesn't really hit me in the face of like a um, an aged beer or something that mm. was in a in a barrel like that i mean do you i guess what what do you pick up what should we be tasting because when i'm trying this other one you definitely taste the wine so you definitely w- taste it you know so this was chardonnay barrels in the mega blonde okay that that, that that would be why i'm getting that dry flavor then pretty dry beer to me it's kind of lacking the peaches do, do give you that sweetness on the back end get a lot of the chardonnay barrel with when you do the dave wilson chewing technique <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. But I, he taught I would, us so much. I would agree with Jesus that the, the Belgian gold ale that's in the cab barrels, is, this is really, really good to me. Yeah, Huge the, barrel profile. Right? The, the peaches in the first one are, are very, very subtle. I, I actually kind of like it for that because uh, sometimes when you get like a sour peach ale or something, the, the peaches are like really in your face. So the peaches are a little subtle. I do agree. It's it's very dry, which, you know, some people enjoy that in a beer. It's not always my favorite thing. I prefer the Cabernet barrel as well because it's it's got more of a full red grape kind of flavor. Mm coming through it's it's layered into the the belgian ale that they based this on so I, I i prefer the the cabernet i guess what i was trying to ask alex or or jim that i don't feel like it tastes like it was aged in a wine barrel it doesn't hit me in the face like that it's very delicate i would say for those who perhaps don't like a barrel age and there are those who you know do shy away they think it's too much too much oak too much vanilla too much in your face uh this is very delicate and, and i agree with you there's hardly any barrel whatsoever in here so it is it's not nearly as pronounced as a lot of the barrel aged beers that we've drunk i mean they're in your face oak like the cab now, this is far more delicate and subtle i get it on the nose you know i get the barrel on the nose of the mega blonde yeah, a lot more of the belgian esters come through on the I, mega blonde yeah, definitely you don't get any of that really on the the cab one yeah the cab just sort of takes over that beer. yeah the tannins on the red come through i mean i guess if you were to say like the star of the show it's just the it's the beer the original beer i think mm-hmm. is more in this one and that's what i guess what i was trying to say the barrel to me is not really adding to this or as I, much as i think it should be for a wine barrel series that makes sense because i i think i can taste the barrel so i i don't think that's the correct call but to say it's not necessarily adding anything to the beer i, I might tend to agree this one not as much of a win as the uh, the cabernet barrel the the cabernet barrel the barrel is adding definite element to that beer and it's and it's a really beautiful thing the interplay between between the red wine and the beer you know and maybe for me i'm not a white wine guy i'm more of a red wine guy so there may be a bit of a bias there so you know just putting that out there what do you think the carbonation level has to do with it to me these seem these both these beers seem a little over carbonated they are bottle conditioned i poured a little bit more here at the bottom of the barrel and uh, i got a lot of yeast so uh they're definitely bottle conditioning these hmm. so that could lucky uh, lucky 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 so, and again these are a little warm uh, they weren't as chilled as much as they should have been uh that will also lead to a, a big head um but it's i think calming down a bit uh, oh, after it, being it, open a bit it did calm down fairly well kudos to badger state though i mean to be that risky to do stuff with wine barrels like that i mean it's very good stuff yeah in this walk the vine series you know fun little name kind of a, a play on walk the line by johnny cash i can always get behind a johnny cash <laughs> reference but it, it seems like this may be a, a, an ongoing series with them and i can't wait to see what the next variation is going to be yeah i like i said their variety they had oh my goodness 16 of their beers on tap it was a a large number of different varietals on tap at their tap room plus a number of guest taps as well and that's also really exciting when a brewery brings in other partners from the area and all their other beers that are really good say come taste our beers we also got some other good craft beers too and for our listeners we will uh, do a photo dump of all the pictures so you can see the extensive <laughs> tap list that Jim's talking about. Well, I think uh, that'll lead us right into the segment. So let's hear from uh, Sam Yanda himself and Brian, the assistant head brewer at Badger State Brewing. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tap Takeover Podcast. We're taking the show on the road again. Today, we are at Badger State Brewery, sitting in the shadow of Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Founded by three friends, Badger State opened in 2013 and have gone through two expansions since. We're sitting in the barrel room with head brewer Sam Yanda and assistant brewer Brian Jacobs. How are you doing, guys? 
Great, good, good. Where did the name Badger State come from? We went through many, many different names. Uh, Badger State was the winner. No one, we did our research, no one took the name. We're like, hey, Wisconsin, we're all the Badger State here. Why not? Trademark that, it's ours now. <laughs> What's the meaning to you guys being Badger State? Well, uh, we're really fortunate to have grown up here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We love Wisconsin so much that we just want to be Wisconsin-oriented. Take a lot of the, what Wisconsin has to offer, bring it back to the brewery and name the beers, the brewery, as much as we can, Wisconsin related. It's it's hard to believe that the name Badger State was even still available. Are you guys yeah, surprised yeah, we were at surprised that? Surprised too. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't believe it. And why is it important for you to be here in Green Bay? Uh, it's our hometown, of course. Um, yeah, it's our hometown. We love it here. A couple of us have lived in other areas in the United States, but we all came back here, and we just love Green Bay so much. Friends, family. Yeah, it's we just love it here so much. Awesome. So for both of you guys, what was your introduction to craft brewing? And did it involve a certain beer, a certain style? And how did that path bring you to Badger State Brewing? Uh, for me, I was home brewing for eight, nine years prior for just a hobby, of course. I got my cousin, one of the founders, uh, Michael, I got him really into home brewing. And then later on, one of his high school buddies, Andrew, came along and we all met at a beer festival in Bailey's Harbor, I believe. Oh, actually, I've been up to that one. Yeah, That's a great. Fantastic yeah, festival. great fest. He got really interested in uh, brewing or home brewing too and asked if he could join in with us in my garage. And one thing led to another, and Andrew had the grand idea of starting a brewery. I kind of laughed off of the idea at first. I didn't think it would actually come to fruition, but uh, here we are now. <laughs> so there was a lot of convincing on their part to actually start something like this. It's, uh, it's probably one of the biggest, scariest leaps that I've ever endured. For me, uh, I didn't even like craft beer at the time that I started home brewing. You're fired. Yep. <laughs> Get rid of this guy. My mom actually got me started in home brewing. I fell in love with it almost immediately. I ruined my very first batch, which was extract. I said never again. And I uh, went to All Grain the next day. And ever since then, it's just been a, an absolute love, passion, and desire. Did any of you have any experience working in a commercial brewery prior to starting Badger State? No. No. <laughs> it's just like, right in. Yeah, yep, yep. We're like, oh, let's wing it. We can do it. Fake it so, till you make yeah. it. <laughs> you had worked at uh, Stone Arch. I, yeah, I was working at a brew pub in Appleton. So what are some of those challenges that you face uh, starting out? Uh, money. Um, <laughs> no, it, well, that's number one. I mean, that's obvious. Starting out, we, for about 10, 11 months prior actually opening, we did a lot of experimenting, coming up with our own recipes from scratch, of course, hammering out the different styles, what we wanted to do. So we came out, we rolled out with three styles in the beginning. We wanted to do like a lighter, medium, maltier one, and a hoppy beer. So once we got those styles hammered out, then it was experimenting every weekend. I mean, we all had full-time jobs at the time. So every weekend we just hammer out, see if it, anything came out. And once we were pleased with what we had, that's what we started off with. And then we actually gave out a lot of samples prior to see if anybody else would like these beers. <laughs> Do you have any challenges with uh, new equipment or a larger size of equipment? We actually started off on, what do you call it, it's like a 12 and a half gallon brew magic system. Sam over at Dogfish had made that one famous. He, that's what you started off on too. But uh, the challenges were making a beer because that is so small. We actually rented out a converted locker room. It's not, it wasn't too big of an area, but it was big enough for what we 
wanted to do right off the bat. So we had the brew magic rocking. I would do double batches on it every day, just about. Yeah, just making enough beer. Also dealing with Green Bay water supply and the chemistry behind that for each style of beer, water salts, what have you, just to make a real good, real good beer. As home brewers, we weren't, we didn't have that experience dealing with water back then. We always made more maltier beers, and then that kind of balanced it out. Now, when we're getting on the lighter, hoppier side, then challenges started arising. So there was a lot of reading books about that, water chemistry and all that, but we finally figured it out, and game on. So we should t talk about where we are today. We're sitting in your barrel room and brand new expansion onto your brewery. So just for our listeners, you're gonna hear a little condenser sound in the background, you're gonna hear a little echoey quality, but that's really the, the beauty of the podcast, is actually being in these areas, meeting you guys where you guys work. Thank you again for, for bringing us in. No problem, absolutely. And of course, uh, this being the Tap Takeover podcast, we're sitting down for a live tasting, so you guys have uh, kind of set out a little flight for us. Do you yeah, want to kind of lead us through exactly what we're going to be trying today? Yeah, we actually, the three beers that I actually talked about earlier that we started off with are here. Walloon Vit Beer, our Bunyan Badger Brown Ale, and uh, Green Chop Session IPA. And then also, part of our core flagship brands is on Wisconsin Red Ale and Dubious Ruffian Chocolate Toe. So, uh, on our podcast, we'd like to encourage our brewers to tell their brewery story through their beers. And so, if Badger State were to take over the taps at the Tap Takeover podcast, which of these beers, including the ones you just mentioned, would you choose to tell that story? Do you have any, any rare release stuff that you would put on that tap takeover, or would it mostly be the uh, the flagship type stuff? Ooh, good question. I know uh, which one you choose. <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 oh, that's another. Yeah, there's so many that I love. Let's see. Uh, of these five, my baby is the Bunny Better Brown Ale. Called it. I that yeah that one. Yeah, I'm. I've always been a real big brown ale fan. It's like one of the more underappreciated beers out there. But I really love brown ales. Just not too malty, not too light, and it's also a different kind of brown ale than people would be kind of used to. It's a little sweeter. I use a little bit of rye malt and roasted barley in it, so that is a little different than the traditional brown ale out there. It's more kind of closely resembles a. English-style brown ale, Badger State twist. What about you, Brian? What would you pick? You know, it's hard. I, I'm a brown ale fan myself, and the Bunyan Badger is absolutely fantastic. I'm a stout guy, though, when it comes to a beer that, that says something about a brewery. Our Dubious Ruffian is absolutely out of this world. The chocolate notes come through well enough to tell you this is definitely a chocolate stout, but it's not astringent. It's not distracting from the base beer at all. You know, the, the base of the beer, I should say. This is the, the beer that I would consider to be a, a very burly Wisconsin kind of guy beer, you know. This is this is a beer that I enjoy drinking a lot of with, with different types of food. It, I think it pairs well with, I don't know, everything I eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it certainly uh, got some subtle roasted notes, but it's full-bodied, but finishes dry as well. Yeah, beautiful I love beer. the brown ale with uh, barbecue. That's my favorite. Mm. All right, so let's round out this uh, tap takeover. So we got a couple of dark ones. What, uh, sure. Where would we go as far as an IPA for taking over these taps? Green Chop is our session IPA, 4.8%. Six different varieties of hops, and I go into that one. Nice. Love it. Great beer, great sessionable beer. But my favorite IPA that we make here, not available just yet. Had a little hop problem with that, getting this one variety of hops that we use in it. But we did acquire some 
and we'll be rolling this one back out, uh, Mean Green, is nice. what we call it. I can't get enough of that beer, just love it. <laughs> it's got like a really very citrusy, tropical notes, 7%. has this one super unique hop that's probably my favorite. Not probably, it is my favorite, so. Which, uh, <laughs> which one's that? The hop variety is Nelson Sauvin. Oh, from New Zealand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So how do you work on, a lot of breweries have hop contracts, so how do you work on getting a I screwed up supply? and uh, <laughs> I experimented with the hop variety, not knowing how rare of, it, of a hop variety it is. So I just brewed an experimental batch with it. Right now we have a our pilot brew system. It does about uh, 31, 36 gallons. So we like to do that like once... Uh, once a week, toy, uh, or once every other week on that. This variety, this IPA that I made, I was just playing around with his hops that we had collected just randomly. And I'm like, oh, let's try something else in here. We'll pull some tangerine peel on the end. And nice. it just was a huge hit. You know, everyone couldn't get enough of it. And then when we finally looked into getting more ingredients to make it on a bigger scale, we ran into the roadblock <laughs> of not being able. Well, it, the pricing on it is so crazy that people were, it was like triple, quadruple the price that we were used to paying. And then all of a sudden, it was, everyone got wind of this hot variety and everyone else was using mm-hmm. it. So it's really hard to get. But I got some now, so I'll be bringing it back soon. So if we're rounding out this tap takeover, we usually like to throw uh, some some sort of special release, something that gets the beer geeks out of their houses yeah. into into the bar. So what what's a special release that you guys would throw on onto the tap takeover well, podcast you, you, tabs? You go ahead. Yeah, for me, it's the whiskey business all day. It's it's fantastic. A lot of uh, barrel, a lot of body, super creamy. I can't get enough of that beer. Nice. I can't stop drinking that one. Got some barrels sitting right here. Could, uh, <laughs> but it's a home. pretty it's a pretty high ABV beer, so you got to be careful. It's yeah, I guess. Yes, yeah. yes we do. Yes. <laughs> What's uh, you, you told us earlier? It's been 12, 12 to thirteen months in those barrels. Yeah, yeah correct. Yes, uh, depending on I'm debating on right now. I've been using the barrels twice over, so the second time, of course, I'm gonna age them. So the first last year's edition was nine months. This year's uh, about twelve and a half months. Yeah, you can tell uh, it that, really yeah. picks up those uh, those oak and vanilla sure. characters from that barrel. Yeah. Can you tell us uh, where the barrels came from? Most of them came from Heaven Hill. Others, um, they like to sand down the name, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's whatever distilleries don't. Some of them don't like to divulge that. Gotcha. Information. Yeah. What would yours be, Sam? Oh uh, yeah, uh, for rare cellar bottles, what have you. Mine. There's so many bourbon barrels out there, uh, aged beers out there. So, but mine, and it was kind of a surprise. We were experimenting with wine barrels, and um, so one of our beers, uh, Gold Ranger, Belgian Gold beer, we aged in Cabernet barrels. Oh, okay. Um, so those were aged in Cabernet barrels for nine months. And then finally, as it progressed, I, I knew it after like, I don't know, like four or five months that something special was gonna be coming nice. from this. <laughs> so, and it gave this like really awesome little red hue to it. I, I had a clue until you, you don't really know until you uh, carbonate the beer and how much of the wine flavor was coming through, the wine and the oak flavor, and I just phenomenal. I got a bottle here sitting ready for you guys. So All right. Oh, we'll fantastic. Well, that'll, uh, that'll be coming up in part two of the interview, uh, right after we do some beer news later. But let's stay in the business side and the uh, sure. production side of the brewing. So take us through any one of your beers. Take us through the, the inspiration for that beer. We'd like to know about how that inspiration translates into the actual brewing process. And then how do you market it after you've made it? Let's see. Where should we start? Us three founders here, we all have kind of uh, somewhat similar 
beer style taste um, preferences. We like, uh, some of us like our lighter wheat beers, hoppier beers. We like to get together on a weekly basis, of course, talk about beers and try different breweries, beers of course, and that really, just trying other beers out there really does it for us for inspiration wise and what can be done with it. And then kind of like dissect that beer and make it our own. So we're not totally copying, you know. Yeah, yeah, little, little <laughs> But you know, yeah, everyone does it. Like it's, yeah. So we got like so many. I mean, and we always like like to keep the cans or the bottles that we got too. Most of them, if they look cool, for inspiration too. On the marketing side, I'm not the most. I'm not really into the marketing end of it. I'll brew the beer and then I'll let the other guys uh, sell it. You know. Yeah, just trying other people's products is numero uno right there and just trying to see what what new ideas can come out it's so so uh, the industry is so fast right now that you got to be super innovative trying different stuff out there yeah we call that research no, i know yeah. right yeah. oh yeah r d yeah we love r d days <laughs> tell us about one of those beers recently that you've been inspired by and started a whole train going with the brewery Ooh, let's see what should we Pick a chili gordo or IPA. Oh yeah, let's do that. Uh, so yeah, the beer trend out there. We got a couple guys in the tap room that have come by, and one of them has, I think, it's his brother out there in Boston, and kept getting wind of these hazy New England style IPAs. We're, like, just, we're, we're big fans. Just can't, <laughs> yeah, I just like I don't know. I was I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence a little bit. I'm getting over the hump though. I'm like, I'm starting to like them a lot better than I used to. But I just couldn't believe how how uh, much of the response they were getting out there. So then finally, I'm like, let me take a crack at it. So I see you guys are drinking one right now. It's uh, version two on our pilot brew system. A hazy IPA, whatever you want to call it. Cloudy IPA, hazy IPA. New England style IPA. Yeah. I don't think there's any, con- is there a consensus as to what? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I think it's New England style, style yeah. 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 So I, it was pretty interesting take on just a tiny little bit of hops in the boil and then just crank out the hops for dry hopping. So there's the inspiration there. The guy I talked about, his brother, he would send him a bunch of, I think it's like Treehouse and Trillium bottles over, and we would all have like a little mini bottle share. And it's so a departure from your other IPAs, your other IPAs, even your session IPAs. Yeah. Very traditional, I see the, the deep copper. I mean, that is a traditional IPA. A lot of breweries are going to a lot more biscuit malts, a much light, lighter malt, so um, this yes. really had to be a challenge for you. Yes. If you, yeah, I, I, I always want to kind of make, you know, the separate beers different than, I don't want it to be too similar than the IPA just released a year ago or what have you. Make it more different than what the other one is, you know. Yeah, just like, so this one I wanted to go really light, focus really on the citrus hops on this one. I think there's like three or four hops in this one. Crank it out and make it way different than your other IPA. You don't want to make it too similar. So when you're developing your recipes, do you source any uh, ingredients locally? Yeah, we go uh, right now, it was 99% of our malt comes from Greece or the children. Uh, we've done some hops out of the Madison area, but most of them come from the Yakima Valley area. We try to use local ingredients as much as we can. Some of the fruit puree that we've gotten has been locally sourced, concentrate. Yeah, we try to do it as much as we can. 
Are you supplier? Not Wisconsin, but Chicago. As a veteran brewer, really, here in Green Bay, uh, what do you think of these young upstarts that are coming along? Are you guys working with them? Are there any collaborations? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we just uh, did a collaboration brew over at uh, Still May Brewing Company. Green Bay Craft Beer Week's coming up here. This was our third year doing a collaborative brew. This year we had, was it two more breweries in the Green Bay area join in with us? Real new. One of them hasn't opened yet. <laughs> but they will be suing. It's great. When we started, there was two breweries in Green Bay for, geez, 25 years. One was 26, I think. And then when we started, another one was starting too. So boom, before you knew it, we had double the amount of breweries in Green Bay from two to four. <laughs> now it seems like it's getting crazier out there. Got to be on top of your game. But so no, what, it's uh, more the more the better. It's uh, it's great. So can you tell us anything about that collaboration with Stillmake? What uh, what are you guys coming up with? Oh, we uh, we did a IPA and uh, with Pink Guava. Yes, That's came out incredible. beautifully. I love it. I had my fair share yesterday of it. It's really good. Real nice tropical notes, fruit forward hops, and then the pink guava really shine through towards the the end. Yeah, the pink guava adds like another dimension to this IPA. It's super good. I yeah, I can't get enough of this one. And did you say where uh, people will be able to get it when it's released? Each each of the Green Bay breweries will have it on tap. A few of the liquor stores in Green Bay also. Some of the local establishments, bars around the area. We'll have a list up soon. I keep hearing all about this really cool collab brew, and I'm just like, come on, man, stop teasing me. Brian had to work in the brewery yesterday while I was out drinking. <laughs> Research. <laughs> Research, yes. Yeah. Actually, we had to bottle it yesterday, and uh, yeah, it was fun. Well, fantastic. And uh, for our listeners, we're actually going to, on our little Green Bay trip here, we're also going to be interviewing Stillmake Brewing, so I can't oh, okay. wait to yeah. also ask them about the, yeah. the collaboration. Don't yeah. tell them we said that. <laughs> <laughs> Brad's a good guy. So what are you doing to kind of keep your edge in this growing market to differentiate yourself from everyone else? It's a secret. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> Breaking news. Drink beer. <laughs> this is our gotcha journalism. Yeah. Uh, just do, I mean, we all love beer, of course, here, and just keep doing our research. Just keep reading up on it and seeing any more trends coming up. We want to stay ahead of the curve, of course. Kind of the New England style IPA thing is probably a good example there. And then what's going to be the next new hot style out there? <laughs> kind of have an idea. We'll see. I got to play around and experiment with that yet. We shall see. And just, uh, just, and also I, I like to, we like to do different things here, different kind of styles. They're mainly seasonal. Like right now, I got chili gordo. It's a smoked porter with jalapenos. Okay. We'll be releasing that on Cinco de Mayo. And shortly <laughs> behind that one, or at least on the chili gordo's heels, we've got yeah, the uh, mimosita, yep. um, a wheat ale with uh, blood orange. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's get through the rest of the flight, and then we're going to take a little break. So we've gone through the brown. We've gone through the chocolate stout. What's what's the first one up here? What's this? Uh, that's nice our a, a Walloon Vit beer or wheat beer. Very traditional Belgian style wheat beer, spiced with a little coriander and orange peel. That's for like the lighter beer folks out there. Yeah, that was one of that was actually our very first beer that we finalized pre-opening days. Oh, and that's the beginning of the brewery, right? Yeah, there. yeah. Wow. Nice, refreshing summer beer. We'll be cranking that one out real yeah, soon it, here it, as the weather warms up. Hopefully soon. It's yeah. very light on the palate, easy drinking. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of coriander, but it's it's yeah. it's more subtle in this. Yeah, one, so it, I, that I was uh, that. that was kind of a challenge. There was how much orange peel, how much coriander to mm -hmm. add to it, and not make it overwhelming. 
not too little, but uh, yeah. I absolutely love Belgian beers. And when I taste another Belgian that has that tremendous amount of orange and coriander that's been added, obviously somewhere in the brewing process, it's like, well, obviously they didn't care enough to articulate the details. They just said, well, throw orange and coriander in there and just, you know, <laughs> throw a whole lot in there. It'll be fine. I absolutely love our Walloon Vit beer. It's clean. It's refreshing. And the Belgian character comes through without being completely overwhelming either. Yeah, you're getting some of the esters from the Belgian yeast, but it's not overpowering. It's not a raw banana in your face. Yes. Yeah. I'll tell you what, let's uh, let's double back to that, to the green chop. What's, uh, you, you mentioned six different top varieties. What which, which varieties are we talking about in this one? Because they, they really Asking do shine. Industry you want the recipe here. too? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's very interesting because normally with a session IPA, it tastes a little a little less. You know, you get that, that sense that you're, you're definitely drinking a session IPA and you, you make certain concessions with that. But with yours, I gotta say, it's one of the best session IPAs I've ever come across. Well, thank you, thank, thank you. So. Um, yeah, this is a kind of a Badger State twist on a session IPA. Like you said, it's a little darker. Use Caramel 90 in it. And then uh, as far as the hops go, we got, it's very citrusy and then a little bit piney, resinous combo going. Some of the hop varieties, Mosaic, Sterling, Simcoe, Eldorado. Things there's that there's another S in there too. <laughs> not not a lot of brewers would probably put together a lot of those hops in that order. That one took a while to finalize. We were just the hop combinations just experimenting with. Yeah, this one took a little more time because we really wanted to make a really awesome session IPA or an IPA summit. There you summit, go. That's yeah. it. You gotta yeah. leave the people wanting a little yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's one more in there too. I'm not I'm gonna uh, <laughs> not <you>. tell you. <laughs> And then uh, what's our last one here? Uh, Wisconsin Red Ale. Yes. Okay. Uh, kind of a little hoppier version of a Red Ale. Amarillo hops going in that one. Six and a half percent, six point six on that one. Yeah, nice multi character with a little hoppier than your normal red ale. A little Badger State twist on that. On Wisconsin. Yeah, it's good. I love the name. <laughs> no, and the On Wisconsin though is fantastic. It's an easy drinking beer. It's a great uh, entry beer for anybody who's not had a craft brew before because you get a lot of the flavors, but it's not in your face, you know, and it's not uh, going to pull you away from from the flavor. All right, well, thank you very much, guys. We're going to take a little break here, and uh, we'll be right back after Beer News. This is Andy and Jesus, and welcome to the Tap Takeover Podcast Beer News. The beer of this episode segment is Velveteen Habit from Ale Asylum of Madison. A floral hop nose with a juicy citra hop intensity perfectly blends with a balanced malt backbone for a touch of sweetness with a crisp hot bite. All of us here at the Tap Takeover Podcast were very pleased when Ale Asylum made this a year-round beer. You can find this tasty brew at any liquor or grocery store in Wisconsin, and most in Illinois as well. For beer releases, Ballast Point Unfiltered Extra Hop Sculpin hit our market a couple weeks ago. This hazy unfiltered IPA was brewed to celebrate a decade of hoppy California goodness that is Sculpin. Be on the lookout for this one on shelves and taps around the state. Half Acre Galactic Double Daisy Cutter hits our distro area this week. They take their flagship Daisy Cutter, tactfully layer in a testament to the Galaxy Hop. In their words, it's a war cry in homage to easy enjoyment and basic pleasures. Get on top of this beer now. It comes in four packs and they won't last on the shelves. We just got ours today. 
today. Sierra Nevada recently did their yearly release of Optimum. This triple IPA, clocking in at 9.6 ABV, is hopped in three stages. Optimum's final hop edition is a dry lupulin powder made from a cold whole cone citra, Simcoe, and Chinook hops that are finely sieved to better expose aromatics. It is engineered with a light body for easy drinking while still keeping it full of hop flavor. Oso's hop debacle has made its way to the Milwaukee area. This huge fruit bomb is an homage to the soft New England IPAs. Expect a great big dose of tropical fruit on the nose. Papaya, melon, and bursting citrus flavors explode on your palate from additions of Eldorado, Denali, Citra, and Galaxy hops. In brewery news, the biggest news in the past two weeks has come from macro giant AB InBev. InBev has acquired Asheville's beloved brewery Wicked Weed. It is the 10th brewery to be added to the company's high-end portfolio. While current ownership will still retain 100% creative control, many in the craft beer community are outraged. Other craft breweries, including Wicked Weed's close friends Jester King, have pulled out of collaborations and their annual Funkatorium Invitational. We can see many positive and negative side effects from InBev's latest acquisition, but only time will tell. In other acquisitions, Lagunitas sold the remaining 50% of the company to Heineken. Founder Tony McGee was quoted as saying, This was a decision to connect Lagunitas with Heineken completely. They are a very big company and we are a very small company, but at the core we, are, we both want the same thing. In festival news, May 26th through the 28th, the Micro at State Fair has its annual Summer Untapped event. Enjoy 50 plus craft beers on draft, a Bloody Mary slash Old Fashioned Bar, and live music. Stop by on your way to Miller Park or to pregame for a family event. The Micro will announce their tap list this Friday and you may just be surprised to see a few breweries on the list that aren't part of a distribution network, bucking the trend at State Fair. You may see members of the Tap Takeover podcast here on Saturday, May 27th, having a few cold ones and talking beer. If you see us, make sure to say hi. June 3rd is the annual Beer Baron's World of Beer Festival in Menominee Falls. This festival features over 350 different beers to sample, as well as a home brewing contest you can sample and judge. June 17th gives you three events to choose from. The top of the list is Wisconsin Beer Lovers Festival at Bayshore Mall in Glendale. This is always a great event featuring breweries and restaurants from all over the great state of Wisconsin. You may find the Tap Takeover podcast crew at this event as well. Also on the 17th, Good City is having a live music and beer event at their brewery. Jam to some tunes and enjoy not one but two special releases. The Fermentorium is also having a live music and beer event at their brewery in Grafton. And this has been the Tap Takeover Podcast Beer News. This is Sam I Am. And Brian the Brewer. From Badger State Brewing Company. We're drinking lots of chutney in our beer while listening to Tap Takeover Podcast. All right, thank you again for the beer news, guys. And we are back for some questions with Badger State Brewing. We have a couple of podcasters who couldn't be here today. It's a, it's a little bit of a trip up to Green Bay from Milwaukee. Jesus wanted to know, we're sitting right here by Lambeau Field, home of the Green Bay Packers. What were the decisions that you guys made for this location? Did you scout it out specifically? Uh, what are the pros and cons of being by a pro football stadium? And how is business during the offseason? Good question. We, friends and family, that's how we kind of got into this location here that we knew about so we had help on that area big commercial building like this vacant for 10 12 years some of the manufacturing companies gone heard from uh, family and friends that they're looking to rent out the space so of course we had help there was it 10,000 square feet so we got a pretty large room here uh, started off small though in a converted locker room and then expanded out from there by Lambeau Field pros and cons pro or by Lambeau Field <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, home games. Can we swear on this? It can be a shit show on game days. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's our parking lot, we can hold about 300 cars. Game days, just awesome. Just always packed, free for all, game on. It's, Lots of fun energy, oh, a lot of smiling yeah. faces, people having a blast. We usually like to try to get food trucks here for every home game, because we don't do food here. Strictly commercial brewery. You can bring your own food, get it delivered here. We just don't do food. We're just, we're sticking to beer, what we know. So how early do people start showing up on game day? Ooh, depending on the time of the game, we like to open about three, four hours prior to the game. So usually uh, noon games that would be the earliest, so 9 a.m. 7 a.m. is when they start parking in the lot and lining up at the door at 9. So if we opened earlier, they would be here. So pre-game is always fun. Post-game is always fun, too. See, cons of being by Lambeau Field here, not too many of them, but people like to sometimes overindulge. You kind of have to work with that. Yeah, we've had uh, higher bouncers now. In the beginning when people weren't used to Badger State Brewing here and the word was getting out and everyone seemed to be used to their other not so craft, not any craft beer, <laughs> um, the, just the alcohol content is, is higher than what they were used to. They didn't seem to read the board on that. Just the first couple of home games we had to deal with that. But now everyone seems to be getting used to it and we don't really have too much trouble anymore with that. But, L- yeah. A little learning curve. Yeah, a little learning yeah, curve yeah, for yeah, the yeah, exactly. So how about during the off season? Do you guys see a precipitous drop off in business? Do you, do you guys kind of make your make your big money during the season and then it kind of falls well, off, honestly, or is it pretty the, consistent? Pretty consistent. Uh, honestly, there with eight home games, there's not that many home games, so you're only talking about eight Sundays, Mondays, or whatever have you. So it's not like huge thing, but it. A lot of the tourists in the off season, they'll still visit Lambeau Field, do the tour and whatnot over there. It's just really cool to be close to there because they are near Lambeau Field, of course. More and more businesses as they open up around here, you'll see this district grow and grow and get more popular with the patrons out there. No, not really. It's uh, the only, it's winter time is pretty much kind of the downside of sales but then that's good for us and we can keep up and do a lot of barrel aging then. <laughs> that that's sales. our barrel aging yep. time yep. yes january february march pound out the yeah. barrels yeah. and uh yeah get caught up on a lot of things that need to be getting caught up on in the brewery yeah. <laughs> fixing things or so right now it's going to be ramping up real soon here yeah we're starting to feel it already yeah so uh speaking of patrons and lambo field uh do you ever see any packers in here on their off time that we've had yeah. yep. yes okay. yes uh some like to keep it a little more secret than others. Yes, we've had coaches, players. Yeah. What do they like to drink? What's uh, what's some of the favorite Packers beers on, I on tap they, here? I hear they like beer. Okay. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, McCarthy. I hear is not too much of a beer drinker, but he was digging the balloon. Okay. Um, something. Here's a vodka guy, but that's that, all right. That's, that's a breaking news yeah, right there, right. folks. Yeah, yeah, a little sneak peek <laughs> there. Aaron Rodgers, I forgot what he was drinking. I missed him by 15 minutes. I left the brewery and him and uh, his ex, I won't name, <laughs> happened to be here. Snuck right in there. They right? snuck into the, actually the banquet hall here, so yeah. And Andy, our other co-host on the podcast, wanted to know about, did you know about the planned development that's happening near Lambeau Field when you were looking this for? Uh, in the early, early stages, kind of had an idea, but we didn't really know if it was going to 
come to fruition. And actually what's really cool now is they're going to be focusing, and that's on the other side of the stadium. So now after that's planned, now we're in the Legends District is what this um, district is called now. And they're going to be more focusing on this side of the Lambeau Field there. So that's really cool. Now you've got that side of the stadium. There you got all the plans over there. Really cool. Now their focus is going to be on this side of the stadium, which is really going to be awesome for us and more foot traffic and more customers. It's going to be great. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get back into the tasting here. So we, we got through the flagship beers, okay. and now we're going to go a little off-road. We're going to get into some of the crazier stuff that Watch you guys out. do. So pick one and uh, tell me about it. Okay, Buzzy Badger is actually the Bunyan Badger Brown Ale with coffee. It is a bourbon vanilla blend coffee. I think we used about four or five different blends of coffee experimenting with this beer until we found this one blend that we really fell in love with. That is delicious. Thank you. It's, it's wow. a beautiful coffee brown ale. And that one actually will be soon canned. So we got the design all approved, ready to rock, and hopefully the semi-truckload of cans will come and be, be coming soon, and we'll be getting that one all canned up on the market. So how do you do your coffee edition on this? Do you uh, cold this, brew it, or do you add grounds directly to the barrel? Or? Uh, grounds directly to the fermenter. That's, that's uh, The level of difficulty on that is a little higher than if you went the cold brew route. Yes. Yeah. Done a number of few different ways and kept coming back to this way of doing it. So far, so good. Yeah, there are multiple layers of flavor that are coming through on this. It's really good. Yeah, the, the vanilla seemed to really shine through and everyone just loved that. And it, what came about that beer was we saw so many coffee stouts, coffee porters, and it's like, okay, what, do, what can we do? And we all love coffee here way too much. So, and it was always like, oh, so heavy, dark beers. And then at the time when we came up with Buzzy, there wasn't so many coffee, lighter beers. And we just took the brown ale and we're like, hey, let's experiment with this. It's gonna be easy, let's just rack some of the brown ale off and add coffee to it and see what the hell we get. My favorite thing about the Buzzy is that you actually get the brown ale underneath it. You're not losing the brown ale at all. You're getting the coffee, of course, but the brown ale stands up and says, hey, I'm still here. And you get a beautiful pairing between the two. And it's, it's got this wonderful, sweet character against that coffee, dark, astringent kind of coffee flavors. And what's really cool is when you got like awesome brown ale to begin with and it evolves into something different. You just add one more ingredient to it and all of a sudden it just transforms it into something totally different. Boom, yeah. coffee brown Cause, ale. Because yeah. everybody loves to coffee up a stout, you know, or yeah, throw something yeah, in yeah. a stout. But yeah. yep. to be able to do those delicate flavors with a, yep. with a brown, yeah. again, the level yeah. of difficulty is a little bit higher. So yeah. tip and my the, hat to you guys. Yeah, there's uh, when you're dealing with a, a lighter malt, there's less area for mistakes. Yep. So if yeah. you mess something up, it's going to show more than you can cover up with a bunch of other flavors. Yeah, you're telling me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for our listeners, when you start brewing with a lighter malt, it, the level of difficulty really goes up. So if someone can really nail it, um, that's that's impressive. So what do we have next here? Oh, what do we got? Uh, Bavarian? Oh, or, uh, yeah, new, newest IPA. Bavarian Blazer. Experimental. Might turn into something seasonal. We shall see. This one played around with a hot variety of Mandarina Bavaria. Never used it before. Was really interested in trying it out. Has to me real like orange 
mandarin forward tropical notes to it. I use that hop variety along with two other ones, two other citrusy hops in that one. Not too crazy bitter, hoppy, but just uh, real well balanced. Makes for a different kind of IPA, like a real orange, orangey. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a, yeah, I was really surprised on how much so, mandarin or orange. Yeah, is there any citra in here or is that just all the other additions? No, this, this is strictly hops. Yeah, no orange peel, oh. nothing. Yeah. What's hmm. really fun about the mandarin of Bavaria is that you're getting a lot of these kind of fun orangey tones, the citrusy orange, almost, almost pithy, but not too mealy. However, it's still a hop. It's giving you wonderful hop aroma and tone as well. Yeah. It's, it's really cool because you look at the beer and it's got this very reddish color. So you almost expect it to go down like a red, like very sweet, very uh, caramel. But it's, yeah, like you said, it's very tropical, very like Yeah, it's got like a reddish kind of orange hue to it. I was kind of going for an orange yeah. color to it and not too much caramel, like you said. But that one actually was replacing the mean green <laughs> until we got more hops for mean green. So now that one... <laughs> So you guys were asking before about how our beers go from conception to, well now you're kind of seeing how they go from conception to... Yeah, we were like, we need another IPA, we can't wait on the hops to come, <laughs> so let's crank out something real tasty. And We, we had this one in the in our in the back of my head as far as experimenting on our pilot brew system. That's where that the pilot brew system comes into play, like really big and just love it because it's like if something really doesn't come out very well I, I only have to dump 30 some gallons down the drain instead of <laughs> 500. This have, you one, had, yeah. have you had any costly mistakes? few. <coughs> a few. Yes, I would rather forget those. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them actually being where I skipped the whole pilot brew system side and I was like, I got this. And just <laughs> brewed it on the big 15 barrel system that we have. That didn't come out so well. And I just couldn't justify putting that beer on tap so down the drain that went so I learned my lesson on that one I'm like Better safe than sorry. Here yeah. at Badger State, we're just like our love for Wisconsin. We are very uh, loyal and dedicated people to our craft. Uh, so we're not going to put on tap anything that we wouldn't love drinking ourselves. All right, so we have a really special beer on tap for, uh, for our audience. First, we're going to talk about the base Belgian, and then we're going to talk about the barrel aging that you guys went through on this one. So tell us, tell us about the base Belgian beer here. Uh, the base beer we call Gold Ranger, kind of offshoot of the Lone Ranger. Um, not the Power Ranger, but uh, <laughs> no, real nice. It's a, a Belgian gold or a Belgian blonde, seven and a half, eight percent, well balanced, kind of higher, a little higher ABV Belgian blonde ale. So then, when we got one of our barrel brokers, when we found some Cabernet barrels available, jumped on the chance of buying those up, getting those in house, and then figuring out how to use those barrels and what beer to put in those barrels, of course. And then uh, kept coming back to the Gold Ranger, decided on that. And again experimenting with that again and did that when last year was the first version of it so we did actually a Cabernet and Chardonnay versions of it and both came out super great I'm a more of a red wine fan so the Cabernet was my favorite of course but the Chardonnay is also really great too so how long was it aging before you knew that you, you had something special in that uh, it was like four, uh, four or five months into it, it it was starting to really take character when we would do our sampling of it and see where it's at I started beginning to see nice red hue to it the Cabernet wine flavor was just coming through real nicely I knew we had something there so then we gave it another four 
four or five months, so like nine, about nine months total on that one is when we finally decided to package it up. After we carbonated that beer, tried it out, and we knew we had something real special here. And it's strictly barrel aged, there was no, no cutting it whatsoever. We have like a tasting panel, of course, all tasting in it, and we all decided, let's just leave it as it is. Packaged up and make it part of our Walk to the Vine series. So this is our, our second year. We have it all packaged up, this year's version, ready to rock, and will be out very, very soon. So let's talk about that series, the- Walk the Vine series. Walk the Vine series. Yeah. So tell us about that. What what else can we expect coming out of some of these barrels? For well, the Walk, uh, the, the Walk the Vine series uh, right now is two, Two different styles right now the chardonnay and the red wine cabernet versions of it and we'll see what other beers we can come up with as far as wine barrel aging goes it's something different that we want to do everyone's doing like bourbon barrels of course but everyone wants to be different kind of kind of come up with the new big new thing just these wine barrels can just add so much to a beer that we just fell so much in love with this is going to be looking like yearly release that's really exciting and if this first try is any indication this is going to be mm, a you. very very successful series thank you yeah. jim what do you what do you think of this one? Uh, i think the aging in the barrel for the wines is fantastic I'm not a big belgian guy we'll get you there. red the red <laughs> wine no i'm a big red wine guy now, so. okay Good. The, the juiciness on the nose, I got that nice red wine nose, and then there is, I'm not quite sure what that is on the palate. little oaky. Yeah, the oaky yeah, like vanilla. Oak. Um, I can't disclose the winery, but it is a very well-established, expensive bottles too. <laughs> and barrels, let me tell you. We took the chance on getting a few barrels. We knew they were going to be costly, but once we found out what we can do with them, we got the chance to buy more. And we jumped up the chance of that. Yeah, I highly good. recommend people when they come up try the base beer and then try it in the uh, Cabernet, and oh, you can sure. sense the extra layers yes, that, that it yeah. can lay upon. Yeah, it's, it's like a totally different beer, even the Chardonnay too. I don't have a bottle right now. I gotta package it yet. That one, oh, that one's so good too. Just nice, sweeter wine character to it. It's just fun to take one beer and just add a whole another dimension to it. You got your Chardonnay, your Cabernet. You can do so much with one beer and just transform it. Gives us reason to come back up. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of distribution, you guys for a while were just a taproom only brewery, but now you've been discussing packaging beer. Yes. Uh, wh what are the plans around that? For right now, we distribute as far as Door County North, Oshkosh South, and then we just got into the Wausau, Manaqua area out west. That's keeping us busy. We will be distributing out in other areas. We will want to get into the Milwaukee, Madison markets, but right now I can't produce enough beer as it is. These are good problems. Those are the, <laughs> yes, yeah, these problem. are good problems, and uh, we'll see about another expansion. <laughs> so how are you distributing? Are you going through a distributor? Or yeah, right now we go, we, yeah, right now it's uh, three distributors. Okay. Um, we do a very small amount of self-distribution. So actually we are at one place in Milwaukee at uh, Ray's Liquor and Spirits. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah North Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They kept hammering us for our beer, so we're like, okay, let's do it. So, <laughs> nice. so yeah, distribution is always kind of a pain, but uh, we're getting there. 
So we got a couple more beers on uh, on this uh, special edition flight here. We got Sinister, and we have Maple Porter as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, Sinister is um, a version of our very first beer that the three founders here, including myself, did. So it's a Scotch ale, and as you can see from the name Sinister, I add cinnamon to it. <laughs> but it, but it's subtle. It's not. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you don't want to overdo it. Um, very very much like the yeah. vanilla in the the Dizzy Badger. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very very, very yeah, subtle. I don't want a it, cinnamon bomb. Yeah, exactly. Of course, you yeah, know, you don't so. want someone drinking a big red. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's subtle and it, it really adds to the full flavor of the beer. Yes. So you get the scotch. So you get that little bit of peat, you know, that little bit of smoke on the back end. Yeah. But the, the cinnamon, I don't know, it adds something. What do you think about that one, Jim? Yeah, so I mean, there's a touch, a touch of heat from the cinnamon. There's also that subtle cinnamon flavor in the background. Mm-hmm. So it's there accentuating the scotch uh, by, by no means over powering anything. Yeah. So that one I use uh, for scotch ales. I know there's it's kind of 50-50. A lot of people don't like to use smoke malts, but traditionally you do. I did. Last year's version I used a cherry wood smoke malt and it came out really nice. This year I decided to go another route, go applewood smoke malt. So I was just thinking applewood smoke malt, cinnamon, go hand in hand. As a sneak peek, I don't think too many people know, but I took half the batch and barrel aged it. Oh. In apple more brandy breaking barrels. news on the oh, more so, breaking yeah. news. So we got we got a, we got a hold of some <laughs> apple brandy barrels, um, Calvado, uh, French apple brandy barrels. So apple brandy, apple with smoked malt, cinnamon. We'll see what we can come up with. Oh, Stay tuned. Uh, we just did that uh, a few weeks ago. Few weeks ago. Those barrels yeah. smelled fantastic. So we'll see uh, next year what we what we got packaged yeah. up. And That's super exciting, but you guys are really challenging yourselves yeah. to oh, yeah. be on the edge. Yeah, stay ahead of the curve and keep innovating. People like their variety. We don't like to get stagnant. We like no, to have definitely. fun and do what we can to push that boundary wherever we can find a boundary and push it. Exactly. So, yeah. Sure. So we'll you're, see what we come up with. You're always going to have the flagships, but uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's why this second part of the podcast where we're dealing with some of the crazy ones that you yeah. guys are doing, this this is exciting to us. Yes. You know, this gets us out of bed. There you go. Oh, and then uh, let's see. What else we got? Let's uh, move on to our porter. last one, oh, the uh, Maple Porter. Uh, Port de Mort. Um, that Mort. is our Maple Porter. So real nice, <laughs> strong 9% porter. Put a good amount of maple syrup in it. <laughs> like the uh, previous question, locally sourced uh, ingredients. So this is Wisconsin maple syrup, of course. Uh, put enough maple syrup into it to get a nice mapley background to it. Um, Basically, I could have made waffles and syrup for days and days. So this is one of our seasonal releases. So in the wintertime, we'll have uh, maple porter on, on tap. So I got a few few kegs of this left over. You guys haven't had one of the last ones. So. I'm, I'm glad we made it up when oh, we did, yeah, Jim. Yeah. Good timing. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for uh, sitting down with us, guys. Uh, it's been amazing drinking the beers, hearing about what those beers are supposed to taste like. You no know, problem. For, for, for our coming. audience. Yeah, yeah. And, for coming. Uh, yeah it's, it's amazing being able to introduce some of our Milwaukee listeners to the, these great beers that are being made up here in Green Bay. And it's it's also really refreshing to hear that you guys are very much in, in touch with the, the beer community up here, that it, it seems to be a, a fraternity between you guys, that everybody's kind of looking out for each other. And that's really yes, refreshing. Yes. Thank 
Thank you, thank you. The Milwaukee crowd making their trip up to Green Bay. Come on, stop in. I think you'll be really pleased. We got a lot of beer on tap. Yeah, and if I can echo that, I would have to say that, you know, once you stop in at us, you know, you have to stop in at all the other Green Bay breweries. But, you know, by the time you're done with them, you know, you're going to stop over by us. You'll again. come back. You'll <laughs> come back. <laughs> awesome. Well, I echo those settlements, and gentlemen, we always end with a big cheer. So, salute. Very much. Cheers. 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 Huge thanks to the boys up there at Badger State and the wonderful beer they shared with us there in the shadow of Lambeau Field. If you're ever up there for a game, go there. Make it a destination. It's right by the stadium. It's beautiful. Uh, They've got a great outdoor area uh, as well as a very beautiful tap room. I'm actually very jealous. They have, if I ever started a brewery, they have what I would want. It's that awesome. And you can taste a little bit of that awesomeness down here in Milwaukee too. They have just started distributing in this area. You can get Mega Blonde as well the Golden Ranger Agent Cabs, as well as their Dubious Ruffian, their chocolate stout. Very tasty as well. Alex, any final thoughts that you had on Badger State? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, like a lot of the breweries that we talked to when we were up in Green Bay during our, our little road trip, it, it really is a fraternity between the breweries. And that's one thing I really want to emphasize. I, I love to see when Milwaukee breweries do collaborations with each other, but it, it still does feel like a, a bit of a rat race here in Milwaukee with some of the breweries. Up there, it really is a collaboration. It's, it's fun to see. I guess the distinction is there's less of them. There's less breweries up there, so they do have to kind of band together. And there is enough clientele to kind of go around. So in Milwaukee, there's a little less to go around. I don't know, Jesus, you were up there with us for the, the second two. Uh, what did you think of Green Bay and then the brewing scene? No, it was very cool. And they said, I think from that weekend, they were anticipating that seventh one to open, right? Copperhead. Copperhead yeah. Brewing, I think, was the, the next one up. Yeah, but amongst those six, they're really, yeah, they're really tight. They all know each other and it was really neat because we would talk to one about the other and say, oh yeah, Brad's really cool. Oh yeah, these guys are really cool. So yeah, it was uh, definitely a brotherhood and it was um, it was what you would think of a, I guess, a smaller city or a smaller community and even though Green Bay is bigger, but it was uh, it was nice. It was cool. So those six, is, are those just in Green Bay? Yes, those are the Green Bay area breweries. Yeah, but they all help each other and they, they're, yeah, they're very close. So. And what was kind of interesting is that, you know, the original was Titletown and then when Hinterland broke off from Titletown. That doubled the, n- the amount of breweries. And then Badger State and Stillmank opened around the same time. That, again, doubled the amount of breweries. And now they're almost doubled again. So, I mean, it, it really does speak to the, the pace of the craft brewing industry. Some people say it's slowing down, but in some areas, it's it's actually still growing. And we could definitely see that in Green Bay. So. Yeah, there's a, a ton of education that needs to happen in the palate of Green Bay. But I think they've got some really great breweries opening up. So uh, let's get into the beer. Let's talk about these last two that we're kind of going to go through. And uh, we've got a couple stouts, so this is exciting. This is kind of what we get into here on the podcast. Uh, Jesus, do you want to tell us about the two beers? All right, the first beer is from their pilot series, Sticky Bandit Peanut Butter Ale. And the second beer is Whiskey Business Imperial Chocolate Milk Stout Aged in Bourbon Barrels. And I got to say, when I opened up that peanut butter uh, ale, there is peanut butter there. (laughs) I might have misspoken. Uh, Not a stout then. It's more of an ale. Yes. yes. But it's a very dark ale. I would say it's... on the border of the kind of porter slash stout there's a lot of roasted notes that you would affiliate with a porter more than a stout but it's definitely dark it is dark and it is nutty yeah what, what can you say i mean you i mean it's peanut, peanut butter that hits you right away right? yes huge peanut butter nose i mean i've never had anything like this andy what do you think uh, the peanut butter definitely comes through on the nose like like you were saying jesus um it's just okay to me i mean it's a 
definitely, what would you say, it's an ale. Mm-hmm. But it's... I just, I don't know about it. I'm not a big fan of peanut butter beers, which is weird because I love peanut butter, but it's it's just so so to me. Yeah, I mean, it's not breaking any beers. It's it's not going to challenge you a, as a beer. Uh, though this is my first. I didn't know there were a huge number of, of peanut butter beers. Apparently there's a whole world out there I'm not aware of. <laughs> um, but I think it's uh, there's big roasted notes. You know, I love my roasted notes. The, there's almost a coffee kind of flavor coming through, though I don't think there is any. And then it maybe just may be the nuts. I, I've had a couple of peanut butter beers myself, and I actually think this one is a little more subtle than some of the other ones I've tried. In some peanut butter beers I've had, it's really, really upfront, the peanut butter. I do get it right up front, but I think the heavy peanut butter flavor is more in the, the middle of the beer and not so much on the back end. I get more roasted notes on the back end. So in that way, I think it's a little more subtle than some of the other peanut butter beers I've had. So I was very concerned even seeing this uh, that would be overpowering. Like all I would get was just a lot of nut flavor and I don't like hazelnut beers at all and I was like oh my god this is going to be a hot mess of a beer. It's going to be like sickeningly sweet. Yeah, was like I said a, this yeah. was a pilot series. Horrible. This is not the first one. Uh, yeah so this was definitely not their first one. I mean it's a brewery that's been open for, for quite a few years now but uh, this is their pilot series which seems very much an experimental series. It even says on the back of the bottle so some of these brews they're going to do again. Some of them will just be kind of one and done. So it's, you know, th- this is the fun part about what we do. Talking about some of the beers that brewers do that are extremely rare, that are extremely hard to find, that are just not produced on, on a very big scale. That's fun, you know? Small batch brewing, right? This is one of the things that I'm really excited about for Badger State. They are not afraid to go out on a limb and try something new and try a l- large variety of beers and just produce them. And so Sam's doing a really great job up there. I mean, yeah, why, why not push the limit? I mean, I'll agree with Alex that the subtlety is there. It's great on the nose. Great that it's not so much in your face when you're tasting it. All right, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, so the second one here, we've got the Whiskey Business, which is a, an imperial chocolate milk stout aged in bourbon barrels. And this is, I mean, this is where the podcast lives, right, guys? We love our bourbon barrels. Yep. How does this one hold up to some of the other bourbon barrel beers that we've tried on the Tap Takeover podcast? So this is actually a unique experience for me because I've actually had this one on tap. I like this a little bit more from the bottle. I took the edge off. I would say this is why some beers do need to be aged. And I bet you it was probably too boozy, too hot on the tap. It was. That's what I remember. It was definitely hot on the tap. Oh, did you guys, you guys had it on tap? Yes. Okay. Uh, It it was was one of the first brews that uh, we had when we got there. Yeah. I remember I tried the the Juicy IPA, because that's what I'm getting into, is kind of the New England style. Second one was obviously the Bourbon Barrel style. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. These beers need to age. I mean, I know founders for bourbon barrel aged stouts question aging anything but these things need to lay down for a while they're they are too boozy they need to mellow out they have to be aged i'm gonna fight for that every time some do some don't i actually think the uh, kbs from founders this year was pretty much on on spot you know i'm I'm gonna age a little bit of it but for the most part i'm I'm running through my stock right now yeah i agree with the kbs from this year too but this beer right here the the whiskey really shines as it warms oh yeah yeah and it's fairly delicious i would question why a milk stout yeah. Why not go Russian Imperial? Well, well especially because their primary stout is a chocolate stout. Why Sam felt it necessary to make it a mil- chocolate milk stout 
instead of just a regular chocolate stout is uh, dubious ruffian is their core beer i'm not sure what the thought process in that was maybe to try to distinguish themselves a little bit trying to enter a new market with this because the market is getting crowded with bourbon barrel aging which is awesome put that good that, that beautiful whiskey flavor when this beer is warmed up into a more viscous stout i think more of the barrel flavor is going to pop off of it not just the whiskey yeah i would agree with that 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 it really highlights the the bourbon when you do a heavier beer Pretty and i would say you could probably age for a while longer yeah. i would think of another six months at least this would uh, continue to really sure. let the barrel shine through more yeah so put it down maybe pick it up in the fall during a during a packer game or something uh, bring it out yeah. oh, some, some, be, having some friends you know, you know over. that's yeah. a new tradition we gotta start is bottle shares at packer games okay none of this oh, like damn this miller light bud light stuff that goes around <laughs> bottle shares at packer games it's going to become the beer destination but yeah absolutely uh, any any sporty event that you're doing in the fall or in the winter this would be fantastic yeah maybe lay this one down if you have one definitely warm you up too yeah it's easily the best one of the night that i've tried badger state yeah i think that's yeah. that's why we saved this uh the best for last year so i think that's gonna do it for us boys that's uh that does it for the sticky bandit peanut butter ale and the whiskey business great name love that movie the whiskey business milk chocolate stout aged in bourbon barrels so for me for alex andy i'm jim Cheers. cheers boys cheers this has been a solid non-fail production There's no